0: Grace Church.
1: We, um, having finished 1 Corinthians, we're going back now to uh, Matthew, which we last looked at around about um, December, uh, January, uh, over Christmas. Uh, so we look at the first few chapters of Matthew then. So we're starting now in chapter 5, <laughs> resuming the story in chapter 5. This is in jesus's early ministry. Uh, he's been going throughout Galilee, teaching in their synog- synagogues, uh, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness and his large crowds are following him. I'm gonna pick up the story, in Matthew 5, verse one, <coughs> on page 968 in the Church Bibles. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them.
0: He said, blessed are the poor in spirit,
1: because of me. Rejoice, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
0: Uh, Thanks, uh, Martin. Thanks for your good introduction
2: as well. Uh, Let me uh, pray as we uh, begin looking through this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Uh, and as we've already prayed, uh, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through your spirit, uh, not so that we would know more about you, but so that we would know you more. Um, So we pray you'd be with us now. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, uh, some people will tell you that the Christian life is full of trials and woes and sacrifice and temptation and difficulties and discipline, uh, full of... uh, Ongoing repentance uh, for our failures and our sins, full of a daily pursuit and hard work for godliness. Uh, But then others will tell you that the Christian life is is just full of joy and blessings, contentment and confidence, rejoicing and happiness. Uh, So in the extreme, you, you might have the prosperity gospel churches that proclaim health and wealth, success and riches, uh, more subtly, perhaps, you get uh, some proclaiming a life of victory now, where we need not seek righteousness or godliness. Uh, that's just legalism. Uh, we're freed from sin uh, so that we can do whatever we want now. Just enjoy being loved by God and sort of do whatever you want. Uh, or there's the opposite danger, uh, where we live in a, a continual uh, state or sense of guilt. Uh, living as if we'll only inherit salvation the kingdom of God if we get things right if we improve if we change if we just get it a bit more right this week well which is it Uh, trial sacrifice effort or victory joy and blessings well Jesus is going to begin his uh, very famous sermon on the mount which stretches through to the end of chapter seven uh, by settling this debate once and for all trial sacrifice and effort or victory joy and bl- uh, blessings yes says jesus uh, in fact he says a true christian uh, will be blessed he says it eight times uh, uh, throughout this passage they'll be blessed he also says in verse 12 rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven that that sounds like uh, victory and reward but he's also going to say that the christian is poor in spirit mourning meek sacrificing they'll hunger and thirst after righteousness how's it all held together well let's find out um martin's already told us we left uh, matthew in january uh, where he's begun his ministry and he's preaching the good news of the kingdom he's healing diseases and illnesses Uh, Have a look at verse 23 of of chapter 4, if you've got the Bibles there, just where we left it last time. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. Uh, He'd become quite a celebrity in the whole region, and he could barely go anywhere without being swamped by crowds of people wanting to hear him and be healed by him. And so we pick up uh, our verses today, verse 1 of chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He goes somewhere a little bit quieter to teach his disciples for a while amongst the chaos of all that's going on. But we know crowds still followed Uh, by the end of his sermon in chapter 7, verse 28. Let me just read it to you. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed by his teachings. So this teaching here, this Sermon on the Mount, is for disciples, followers of Jesus, but it's also for anyone listening in, the crowds. What's, what's it all about? What is Christianity all about? And so Jesus begins. Uh, we call them the Beatitudes. I think that's uh, a Greek word for blessing or something, um, but uh, that's what they've become to know as. So we're going to go through each uh, reasonably quickly some are slightly longer than others don't panic if uh, there's still three left towards the end we'll deal with them more quickly so the first one poor in spirit verse three jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven uh blessed or blessed is a is a slightly difficult word to translate uh, it carries the idea of being happy or fortunate uh, but it, it does require some sense of relationship uh, so, uh, perhaps God is pleased with someone. And so he he has a favor- favorable attitude towards someone, and that makes them happy. That's sort of the idea of uh, blessed. So, uh, in other words, it, it's not some kind of weird situation where Jesus is saying, Ah, oh, happy are those that are poor, or how cheerful are the morning. It, it that wouldn't make sense. But happy are those who God looks on favorably because of their poverty or their. Morning. So uh, let's go through poor in spirit, are simply those who come to God in spiritual poverty, uh, like a toddler might approach uh, their parent with a grubby little hands, uh, completely empty other than the dirt, and says, "Me hungry." Uh, or as two years of speech therapy had to fix, he would come up and say, "Me hungry." Fortunately, Zeph was there to translate. He clearly didn't lack any food. We come completely empty before God, with absolutely nothing to present to him of worth. An empty hand, poor in spirit. Uh, Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 2, shares the same idea. Uh, The Lord declares, has not my hand made all these things? So there's the Lord's hand. He's literally made everything. And so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. So the blessed ones, we just discussed that. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. those who just come before God with an empty hand. Uh, when we read God's word, we, we learn of his character and his perfection and his glory and his majesty. And we're left with little else other than trembling. We can't come to God and bargain with him. Oh, look here, God, um, I've got one or two good deeds, just sort of tucked up my sleeve for a rainy day. Could I perhaps exchange a few of those for some blessings, your favor towards me? How far short we fall of God's justice and glory when we read his word, we understand who he is, and we tremble. We recognize we are poor in spirit. We have nothing to offer, nothing to pay, just an open and empty hand, or at least that's what we should do, because that is the type of person who inherits the kingdom of heaven. It's extraordinary, isn't it? So so think you're okay spiritually. Think you've sort of done enough good deeds to sort of gain citizenship of heaven. Well, you won't. Because the people who inherit the kingdom of heaven are those who know they have nothing to offer God. They're poor in spirit. Uh, This beatitude is kind of of like the gateway or the key to the whole rest of the sermon. We've got to get this one right. Uh, It would be easy to move on to Jesus's teachings uh, later on about how we should behave as Christians before God. And then end up feeling like we do need to earn salvation. Um, Just scan down to verse twenty-two and the passage in a couple of weeks' time. uh, Halfway through, Jesus says, "Anyone who says you fall will be in the dangers danger of the fire of hell." But Jesus there is not describing entry requirements for heaven. Uh, When he gets there, he's describing what our life should look like once we've responded to the free grace he has offered us and we've come to him poor in spirit, knowing we have nothing to offer. Uh then uh that then we'll be blessed, we will inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll be blessed when we come to God with empty hands. We'll be made happy by the favor of God shown towards us when we acknowledge that we are totally unworthy, we're spiritually poor, we're empty-handed before God, and the kingdom of heaven is, is already ours. It belongs to us. It's quite amazing. It's it's also quite the opposite of what our world offers. There really is such a thing as a free lunch. There really is something for nothing. It's a blessing to come back to every day. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Next beatitude, number two, mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, Jesus can't uh, just mean that someone who mourns for the death of a loved one will be blessed. Uh, It certainly seems true throughout Scripture that God has a particular heart for the poor, or the downtrodden, or the vulnerable, or the unfortunate. The cats are enjoying the uh, (laughs) the sermon. Just sit down and fall fall asleep like some of the others. Not the other cat, no. <laughs> uh, God does have a heart for the poor or the downtrodden. But in view here, he's connecting this beatitude with the idea of being poor in spirit. Those who mourn uh, for, for the spiritual state of ourselves and the world around us. Uh, Psalm 19, 119 picks up on the idea, verse 136. Streams of tears flow from my eyes when your law is not obeyed. That's the description of someone who has received the grace of God. Streams of tear flow from our eyes when when people rebel against God at sin. A Christian does not join in or delight in or find themselves even unaffected by the rebellious world around us or even by our own sin. We mourn for our sin and for the sin of the world around us because it's, it's an attack on the God who is so gracious to us. So sin isn't funny. Rejecting God isn't something just to be indifferent about. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, No, a Christian will learn to mourn sin. But in doing so, we will be blessed. For to mourn sin echoes the very heart of God. It reassures us that he is a God of grace and that we are beneficiaries of his grace. If we don't take sin seriously, there will be no comfort for us. But when we mourn, we will be comforted. Our great sadness, at our sin and the sin of others, our regret and our pain when we do the wrong thing, it's not a bad thing. That is a good, healthy attitude to have as a Christian. It means we are recognizing we need the grace of God. And then we joyfully look forward to the day when Jesus will return, the kingdom of heaven arrives, and every tear will be wiped from every eye. There'll be no mourning, for we will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our next, number three, meek. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, Meekness is nothing to do with weakness or, or timidity. It's nothing to do with lacking confidence or being bold. Meekness is about choosing to act in a way that lowers ourselves. It's it's like a genuine heartfelt humility. Meekness tells us to lay down our rights, not to assert ourselves before others or to extend our own importance, but rather fully relying on God We're humble. We choose to be meek. Uh, Meekness and humility is, I think, vastly overlooked in in our culture, perhaps even in our churches. But it's got to be one of Jesus's core attributes, isn't it? Meekness and humility. Uh, listen to these verses from Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, so addressing the Philippian church so we can address it to us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus even death on a cross. You see, it will not be those who have punched their way to the top of their career. It won't be those who control all the power in the neighborhood WhatsApp group. It won't be those with the most influence on social media that inherit the earth when Christ returns. It will be those who lower themselves in response to the grace of God, the example of Jesus, How blessed to be meek. number four, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, If we truly accept spiritual poverty before God, an empty hand, and therefore are blessed by knowing that we now belong to a new and glorious kingdom, of heaven well then surely we can only respond to that rightly by wanting to please such a glorious God we will hunger and thirst for doing what is right according to his glorious ways will hunger and thirst strive after righteousness obedience is not legalism it's not earning salvation it's a wonderful blessing blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. To say we recognize our poverty, to say we accept the grace of God, and then have an attitude of wanting to still live lives for ourselves, uh, that would just undermine it all, wouldn't it? No, instead, as the true Christian strives and hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they will be filled. You get the idea that for now, at least, we'll always be hungry, won't we? If you're hungering and thirsting after something, you, it's a continual thing. We'll always, for now, fall short of God's great righteousness and glory. It's almost a proof that obedience can't give you salvation. But we keep striving for it, like, like a dog and a bone. We never stop trying to get through it, and nor should we. For we know a day is coming when we will be filled to the brim with righteousness. When Jesus returns, we'll be given perfect obedience through a spirit that glorifies God and thrills us for all of eternity. This isn't a challenge for perfection. We hunger and thirst after it. We won't fully achieve it in this life. It is a challenge for our hearts and attitudes. What are we hungry for? are we hungry to please God thirsting after righteousness or for ourselves do we hunger and thirst after God's word and our obedience to him or does God barely register on our minds on an average day when we're at work or at home if I hadn't eaten for two weeks or maybe two or three minutes in my case not much else would be on my mind other than what am I going to eat what am I going to drink got to find some reading his word, praying for wisdom, seeking to obey, not to earn the kingdom of heaven for that's been given to us with our empty hand, no works there, but because we desire to live as we will one day live when heaven arrives in righteousness with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Number five, merciful. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Uh, How often we aren't very merciful towards other people's needs. Uh, I tend to see people's problems as self-inflicted. Do you ever like that? And I brought it on themselves, haven't they? Well, if that's how God treated us, if God's mercy towards me was based on my avoidance of stupidity, receive no mercy at all no the christian who has truly understood the mercy that god has shown to us will show mercy to others if you like me struggle to show mercy uh, then we we need to meditate on his mercy to us his grace shown to us uh, by jesus ephesians 2 4 to 5 might be great words to think on this week But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even
0: when we were dead in transgressions and sin. It is by grace you have been saved. Number six, uh, pure in heart, verse eight.
2: Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, the heart uh, here is a bit more than what we might think of we kind of think of the heart as our sort of emotional base don't we i feel it in my uh, my heart but the heart in new testament times was more of a shorthand for sort of categorizing everything about you uh your emotions your reasons your morals your thinking Uh, we might say to my core it, it is literally who i am and the core ought to be pure, you can remember that, that's an easy one, the pure, the core, I say you can remember, it. I can't even say it, pure to the core, to be pure in heart is to be pure in our innermost thoughts, our secrets, everything about us, it's a challenge, yes, Uh, Jesus reminds us elsewhere that uh, Matthew 15, later on in this uh, gospel, verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immor- immorality, theft, false testimony, uh, slander. That's what comes from our heart. That is what our core is about without the grace of God an empty hand. But that is what we have been freed from. We're called to purity in response to his grace. And what a blessing to seek after such a heart as that for we will be shown the very face of God. We will finally be changed to our inner core. will be as pure as white as snow
0: when Christ returns and fulfills his work in us. Number seven, peacemakers. Uh, verse
2: nine, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus is calling his Followers to be peace makers, not peace keepers or not just sort of appeasers, but peace makers. Peacemakers make an effort to bring peace. Uh, it's what God does, He's actively engaged in making peace with us. We rebel against Him, He doesn't just appease it. He doesn't just sort of, well, I'll avoid the situation and keep the peace. He makes peace. He takes the initiative. He puts in the work and the literal sacrifice of his only son to take the punishment we deserve so that we may be at peace with him. He makes peace with his enemies. Uh, So when we seek peace with a colleague rather than revenge, or, or peace with a family member who insists on just being an utter pain. Or when we seek peace in a church family rather than fairness or equality, we will be known as sons and daughters of God. Isn't that extraordinary? We'll be known as sons and daughters of God when we make peace. Now, of course, there's the future reality of Jesus' return that's most in mind. That, that is our inheritance but there's the earthly blessing as well of being blessed, knowing that God looks on us with favour. So we need to be a peacemaker like Jesus. And then number eight, uh, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Of all of them, this is the oddest, isn't it, in one sense. It's odd to think that the persecuted are blessed it's probably even odder for the disciples and the crowds listening in and earwigging. For why would they face persecution for being righteous? In their culture, the Pharisees would pursue righteousness and, and they're celebrated for it. It's a good thing to do, to be righteous. But verse 11 gives them and us a clue of the cause of this specific persecution that's presumably going to come their way. We know it does. For the disciples, at least. Verse 11 Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me.
0: Following Jesus is going to bring them persecution.
2: Uh, unlike the other Beatitudes, this isn't one to sort of make a special effort to seek out. That's his that point. Uh, it's more of one to avoid if we can but only if we're living as the rest of the Beatitudes have called us to. Uh, In Britain, persecution is not even in the same league compared to what many Christians around our world or in history face for following Jesus. But how we should be prepared, how we shouldn't shy away from standing up for Jesus, how often we choose the easy rather than the potential challenge to stand up for, or to speak about Jesus in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighbourhoods. Maybe we should face more persecution than we currently do, because blessed are those who are persecuted
0: for Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
2: Uh, So let's uh, conclude with a few thoughts uh, there is a kind of now and not yet feel to the beatitudes aren't there uh, the, the first and the last beatitude if you notice both promise the present tense uh inheritance of the kingdom of heaven all the middle ones point forward to a future reward the first and last say theirs is the kingdom of heaven and all the others say they will be there's a present uh, there's a now and a not yet sense Uh, but the uh, blessing is both the reward to come and what we know to be true now the knowledge and the joy (laughs) the knowledge and the joy that god will look on us favorably with love when we demonstrate these characteristics is a great joy to us Uh, so in other words our, our happiness now our blessing now is not based on our present experience of spiritual poverty or striving to be righteous but failing, or facing persecution. But our happiness now, our blessing from God, is to know that he loves us and rewards us for seeking to live like his son Jesus and for him. Uh, Verse 12 is, is really about persecution, but it's an illustration Jesus actually will use throughout his teachings for the Christian life. It's a great and true motivator for us to stand strong in faith now, to persevere and to strive to live as we are called to here. It's a great blessing and a happiness to us. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad. That's what we're to be, a people who rejoice and are glad because great is our reward in heaven. Trials, sacrifice and effort. Or victory, joy, and blessings. Yes, says Jesus. This is the key to a blessed life. Come empty handed, receive it all by grace. And so spend all your efforts striving to be what we already are in Christ. And the closer we align ourselves to these uh, attitudes, uh, the happier, the more blessed we will be. For we will both reflect the Lord Jesus. And we will be pleasing to our Heavenly Father as we do so. We will be living as we were created to live. And living as we one day eternally be. We will be living as we were created to live. And living as one day we eternally will be. We don't do it perfectly. But we will know
0: we are building a reward in heaven. Let me pray to close. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs
2: is the kingdom of heaven. Heavenly Father, may we come to you empty-handed, knowing we have nothing to offer, but just to come and ask for your grace and mercy. Thank you that in
0: Jesus, we can be right with you. Thank you for your great love, your rich mercy
2: for making us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sin. Thank you for your grace that we have been saved. And so as we think through the other Beatitudes and the the rest of Jesus' sermon over the coming weeks, may we delight and rejoice in our opportunity to live well for you, for you have given us everything. And may we echo your heart as we live our lives now. We praise you that one day Jesus will return and make us complete.
0: We praise you that we have great blessing from you.